You're listening to CounterTalks, Canada's podcast for the equipment and event rental industry. CounterTalks is a presentation of Canadian Rental Service Magazine. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, everyone. Today I spoke with Jan Chappelle. She is from the Canadian Center for Occupational Health and Safety. And uh, we had a discussion today about... uh, A subject that came to my attention uh, a little more forcefully a couple of weeks ago, uh, opioid substance abuse uh, and use and the dangers thereof uh, in our work sites. Um, I uh, came across a statistic that uh, 30% of opioid deaths uh, were in the construction industry. Uh, That seems uh, remarkably high. And I wanted to uh, look at some of the programs that the CCOHS uh, puts out to help employers deal with uh, opioid substance disorder, as they call it, uh, and uh, and just the general effects of uh, opioid use and the possible impairment that that can uh, cause um, if uh, things aren't uh, going correctly in the worksite. So um, Jan has a wealth of information about this. She she knows quite a bit about the topic and has done a lot of the background research. Uh, I believe she assists with their uh, information and um, programs and courses that they put out. So she was an excellent person to talk to and had really a, a lot of great perspectives and uh, and advice, frankly, uh, for uh, us dealing with this difficult problem, uh, hard to address problem uh, with our staff in our workplace. So uh, please uh, enjoy my conversation with uh, Jan Chapel from uh, CCOHS. Well, I'm here with Jan Chappelle from the Canadian Center for Occupational Health and Safety. She is a senior occupational health and safety specialist. Hi, Jan. Hi, how are you, Patrick? Yeah, it's great to great to have you with me today. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, about opioid addiction uh, in the in the workplace and 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 especially what to do about it. Uh, I was uh, uh, kind of. Uh, alarmed by a, by a, a, a statistic that came across my my desk recently that uh, something like 30 percent of the uh, of the, uh, the people who died from opioid addiction uh, in Ontario uh, were uh, in the construction industry uh, and that shocked me uh, and uh, because of course if you think about it that implies a, a much bigger problem inside our industry than uh, than perhaps elsewhere and maybe it's not hard to see why and we can uh, uh, just because um, you know the the, the re- injuries happen uh, in in a physical job, and uh, and people end up being prescribed and and, and move on. But, uh, but rather than rather than get too deeps into the whys and the and the wherefores uh, on that, I think it's more important to talk about uh, uh, what we do as uh, as as people in the construction industry and and as especially as owners of construction businesses, um, and uh, to to help out our, our our workforce and avoid this problem. Um, but before we get into all of that, Jana, uh, please uh, uh, maybe give us a, a, a brief introduction of your of yourself and the uh, CCOHS and uh, and what you guys do. Sure. Um, so I'm a senior technical specialist. I'm an occupational hygienist by training. So I've been involved in um, most of the products that we we produce. So our fact sheets, our e courses publications, that kind of stuff. So I, I help with that content, the information that goes into our products. Um, Canadian Centre for Occupational Health and Safety, of course, is a federal agency. Uh, we're not for profit. We're here to help 
promote and provide information and help people have a safe and healthy workplace to be at. Fantastic. And um, one of the uh, things that also sparked this conversation was you've uh, recently released some uh, some courses uh, uh, to help uh, employers deal with uh, opioid addiction. Why don't you give me a little overview of of what's on uh, what's on the plate there? TCYS has a number of courses, uh, e-courses to address impairment, opioid use, and stigma. Um, we have fact sheets and infographics and other podcasts as well. Um, the fact sheets and infographics are free for anyone to use. The courses may vary. If they're an awareness course, they're free. If they're a, a cert- certification, like a cert where you get a certificate, um, those are paid products. So they're all meant to just help answer questions like, how do you write an impairment policy? Or what do you do if you um, see suspected use and you, and you want some tips on how to, how to approach that situation? Great. So let's, with, 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 without taking away from the course, let's get into some of that. Um, the, um, um, I guess, let, let's, let's start out kind of uh, framing the problem a little bit. Um, what, what, um, what are the impacts, what are the impacts in the workplace of opioid addiction, Jan? What, what, what can, uh, what, what are some of the effects and, and, and the things that, uh, that employers and workers uh, uh, can experience as a result of this? Sure. Well, let's actually review what opioids are and when they might be used. So it gives sure. us a context of how this all plays together. So opioids are a group of drugs. They include products such as morphine, which we hear often of for, for pain control. They, it also includes heroin, methadone, fentanyl, and oxycodone. So they're, like I say, they're a group of drugs often prescribed to manage pain. Um, Health Canada also states they may be prescribed to treat conditions such as moderate to severe diarrhea or, or cough. So that may be used in situations where we're not expecting that to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to be aware, even when these medications are taken appropriately as prescribed, there are side effects as there are with many medications. Um, so opioids would include sleepy and drowsiness, slowing down of coordination of thoughts and movements, um, memory issues, and a reduced ability to control your posture. So okay. you might get wobbly. Um, short-term side effects also might include nausea, vomiting, euphoria, which is that high feeling, um, difficulty breathing, headaches, and confusion. So when you talk about issues to the workplace, you're looking at areas where there could be increased mistakes, say, uh, lack of alertness or responsiveness, or poor decision-making. So this is where you'll start to see impacts on the workplace because you, you know, there could be a higher chance of an incident, say when you're driving or operating machinery, even if you're taking the medication as prescribed. Right. So, so it's a it, certainly if you're doing anything, uh, anything physical, uh, and and anything obviously using machinery or tools, uh, your uh, uh, just just use uh, can 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 present a uh, can present an issue. Um, what what are some of the issues if a person becomes becomes dependent and 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 has a uh, and has a I guess an addiction to the to the drugs? Um, the these symptoms would be similar. Mm-hmm. It's, we have to remember that um, when we're talking about substance use disorders, mm-hmm. um, when people use substances, we'll, we'll speak to it generally, it not specific to. Um, to opioids, but when it, the better approach is to understand that 
a regular use of substances, it can actually change your brain function and our in its structure. Mm. Um, this is where you see that there's no control over the need to use substances, regardless of that possibility of harm. Mm-hmm. So these change in brain functions are what they look for when they're, when they're looking for the health condition that they call substance use disorder. Um, it is a medically diagnosed condition. It's it's not a choice or weakness or moral failing. Um, and we have to understand that difference when we approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the risk of substance use disorder to, and how fast you become addicted, for example, will vary by substances. Op- opioid painkillers do have a higher risk and may cause the disorder more quickly than others. So that's why you're seeing a lot of attention um, in the news. So it's from a workplace standpoint, though, it's not necessarily specific to having a substance use disorder, but it's the infective impairment that is being seen at that moment. Right. Right. Okay. Yep. So we've got uh, we've got kind of two vectors of risk there. One is one is your your just your ability to perform uh, mm-hmm. uh, on the job, and then uh, uh, possibly a, a, a vaguer and, and maybe harder to define uh, uh, problem with uh, uh, should a the, the the abuse disorder uh kick in uh down the road uh so there's there's two there's there's kind of there's kind of two things there but kind of two things yeah but it's mostly about mostly about that performing being able to do that job to perform right. your job at that moment at that time right right yeah so stay focused on that for sure um okay so what um w- what are some signs uh that uh, a a manager might look for um, that a uh, that a worker or or that a coworkers might might see uh, that um, a, a a worker is having uh, difficulty with uh, with their use of uh, of opioids. Yeah, it's a very good question. So you're going to often see it as a group of things, of symptoms and behaviors. Um, and just to to put that caveat out there, these symptoms are are not specific. So it may be there may be other reasons. Um, you're having a bad day, you're really tired, baby kept you up all night, you know, you're not yourself that day. Um, but when you, especially when you see a pattern over time, um, there may be concerns that a person is physically or psychologically dependent on a substance. So what you're looking for is, um, are they working in a way that may put themselves at risk or others at risk of harm? Um, are they f- not able to complete their responsibilities at work? or school or home, depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so this might be that they're late a lot, they're missing work, their performance is poor, they're having trouble concentrating, they're very disinterested in, in trying to you know, correct these behaviors. Um, other things to watch for are, is there a change in their behavior? So are they having, say, conflicts with family and friends or coworkers that wasn't an issue before? Mm. Um, and another thing they say to look for is there's more requests for money or money and items have gone missing. Right. So just it, the things to watch for, it's not a checklist type situation, but just know that in a, in a workplace, it's not really our role to diagnose that sign, that substance use disorder, but these are signs that, that can be uh, uh, used as a, as a red flag. Yeah, and 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 that's you know I I think you've you've touched on a, a an important aspect of this there right it really any one of those things right seen in isolation uh, uh, could be indicative of a bunch of things yeah uh, exactly. uh, it's 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 very difficult to arrive at this uh, decision that that somebody has 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 a pro- has this problem 
Um, so I, so I guess, um, I guess the, the follow-up question then is what is a manager to do? Uh, yeah. uh, if, if, if you're seeing, you know, let, let, let's say two or three of these things happening together, or like you say, a pattern over time and, and you begin to suspect, right. What, what, what are your next steps? Yeah. So there's, there's, like you say, we talked earlier about addressing the impairment. So can the person do that task safely at that time for what that task is? Mm-hmm. Um, again, you don't really need to worry about diagnosis or, or identifying an issue. It's just, do they have the ability to do that job at that moment, whether it's driving, machinery, sharp objects, whatever it might be? Right. Um, or is there an impact on their cognitive ability or judgment? Do you? Maybe it's something that might look safer, but if they need to make a quick decision, are they able to do that? Mm. Um, again, signs will vary from person to person and, you know, one on itself may not be a, a problem. Um, but if a manager or supervisor or a delegated person becomes aware, then yes, there's, there's definitely suggestions on how to respond better. Um, so the company should already have a policy or or procedures in place for management of impairment at work. And this is where that would fall under. Essentially what you'll end up probably doing is having a private discussion with the person. Um, Good idea to ask another one or two more people to be present in that discussion. So you might want a worker representative as well as another supervisor just to keep everything fair and open. Um, The worker can bring in a trusted friend or a union representative or something like that. And essentially what you want to do is start breaking down that stigma about talking about substance use and just have it be related to the concern for safety and others. So start with what you've observed. We've noticed lately that you've had a few extra accidents or you've had a lot of near misses um, or you haven't seen yourself lately. Are you okay? Mm. Um, So you're trying to engage them in conversation, but you're not placing any type of blame or or judgment on their actions you're just trying to explore the situation right um it may be the case that the person isn't able to have that conversation if they truly are impaired at that moment they might not be able to have a meaningful conversation you can book a time for later on to do that um and there may be you know there may be a bunch of options to do at that point so Maybe you assign them to non-safety sensitive work. Um, You may have to ask them to stop working because it really is unsafe for them to continue. You, of course, would encourage um, their use of supports, whether it's a counselor or or a medical condition. Um, Heads up, if you decide that they're impaired and shouldn't be working, you probably shouldn't let them drive home. Either. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but it's quite serious. Yeah, it happens. Um, <laughs> so call a taxi or have someone drive them. Um, you know, obviously don't allow them to drive if you suspect they're impaired. Um, and then they may need someone to help care for them when they get home. So you might want to do those follow-up steps um, just to make sure they're okay. So be And that's usually where the situation lands. Um, If it becomes over time or you need to start to get into discipline measures, then make sure you're following your company policies and not making quick decisions at the time. Yeah. It, it, so if, uh, if you're getting, uh, 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 if you're getting uh, resistance to the conversation, which I suspect would be 
fairly common. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's it, it goes back to sort of the normal disciplinary process. Tell me if I'm right of of, of you know documenting things, yeah, uh, giving warnings, you know, the, 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 this sort of thing. I mean that that's really yeah. the only way to confront. Yeah, and and you exactly document. Make sure you've written down all the steps you took and what both parties yeah. agreed to. Um, and 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 in this case in particular, denial is a characteristic of substance use disorder. So if it is substance use issues, you're going to have more than one conversation about the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, it probably won't be successful the first time or the second time. <laughs> um, right. But that continued follow-up and discussion will help build trust and hopefully the individual will feel more comfortable sharing or seeking support if they, if they can do that. So and, and the, it, it could be a journey. It, it yeah. definitely could be a journey to, to deal with it. Yeah. And the big takeaway I'm hearing uh, uh, from you here is, yeah, you know, the, 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 you don't want this to take on the aspect of a, of a witch hunt or, a, or, a, or a, to, to, uh, to try to assign blame or, 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 or judgment or guilt or, or, or whatever. Um, um, so, so let's get to, uh, and, and I, I think um, most of our listeners would be in this category that their, their, their main uh, thrust at the point that they find out that one of their workers is struggling with this issue would be to want to offer support and help. Um, yeah. what, so so, so what, what, can the, what can a company do to be supportive and helpful uh, with somebody who's having this problem? Yeah, and there's there's a lot of things that we can do, and and um, so you can just acknowledge that you know these are factors that contribute to substance use, mm -hmm. and that the company is willing to have those discussions in a fair, unbiased type way. Um, companies can also try and prevent injuries so that they don't need to to use painkillers in the first place. Well, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That, that would be good. <laughs> I hope it goes without being said, but yeah, I said it anyway. Yeah, yeah. mm -hmm. um, but if you, if you are in that situation, maybe you work on uh, having return to work programs so that people are fully recuperated before they come back to work, which also reduces the chance of harm. Um, you could offer new or different healthcare benefits. So say maybe more physical and massage therapy to reduce the need for, for medications. Um, you really want to try and encourage an environment where people know it's okay to seek help and they won't feel discriminated about asking for that kind of help. Um, this could be through in, in, uh, employee assistance programs or local counseling, you know, hooking people up with counselors in their, in their area. Um, you also want to make sure that you include prescription and over-the-counter medications in your impairment approach and how you're going to manage that in the workplace because it can be from substances that are, are you know above board right um so but if you're noticing absences or poor performance you can have those open conversations and just help people break down those barriers for for seeking help and provide and the other thing you can do also is uh provide mechanisms so if they feel they're impaired because many people will say you know i don't feel myself today but they're afraid to speak up find a way to make it okay to say, you know what, I don't think I should be driving that today mm -hmm. and, and do it without, um, you know, repercussions and judgment and say, okay, I see that you're not well. You could just be coming down with a really bad cold. And we know how awful we feel and how hard it is to concentrate 
when you're coming down with a bad cold or something like that. So provide ways to let people speak up as well without repercussion. Yeah. I mean, and you, you know, you, you really do have to have that mechanism in place because I mean, a person can be on completely over the counter cough medicine and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and it can make them, it can make them fuzzy. And, yeah. you know, and, and if you're about to, you know, and then, and then if your boss says, go jump in that crane, um, you know, it, it, it's probably a better idea to be able to say, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. geez, you know, I, I'm really sorry, but I, you know, I, 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 I'm on this medicine and it, and it, it's making me, you know, not, not good. And, and, yeah, that, and, that and could... everyone reacts to medicines differently. Like mm. I take an allergy medicine that puts most people to sleep. Right. But for me, I don't notice. On the other hand, when I personally take cough medicine, I am hyper. Yeah. Like yeah. through the roof, can't sleep all night, hyper. <laughs> so everybody's different. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> Every true. Every reaction yeah. is different. And, and it just needs to be built into that. I would probably say I'm more impaired on cough medicine. Yeah. Because I I know that I'm like jittery. Right. And, and that's not good either. <laughs> well, and, 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 and that goes to the, and that goes to the, the, the blame judgment conversation, you know, like the, this person uh, uh, may have been prescribed uh, uh, medication by a doctor. Uh, they, they may be taking it as prescribed and, and, and as they're told to do it, but they don't know. And their doctor doesn't know, especially if they haven't had this medication before exactly necessarily what it's going to do to them. And, yeah. and so, you know, th- th- this isn't a case of, you know, it, it isn't always a case of abuse. Uh, in no, fact, it probably it, usually isn't. And, it usually isn't exactly. Yeah, and this is know. this is what we need to to remember is just because you see something doesn't mean it's an addiction, doesn't yeah. mean it's abuse. It, but it is something that needs to be addressed because at that time, they're you know, you'll often hear the expression "fit to work." They're not yeah. fit to do the job at that point. Yeah. And I mean, a simple way, uh, uh, like you, you've offered great suggestions on, on, on support that uh, companies can offer. I know that I've seen, um, you know, a lot of the disability packages uh, or not, I shouldn't say disability, a lot of the employee support packages offered by, uh, you know, your, your regular uh, employee benefits insurance provider uh, uh, will have options, uh, modules uh, inside them uh, that, uh, that address this kind of thing. And, and they offer workers support, like they offer workers uh, like even phone lines, hotlines, mm-hmm. uh, uh, access to experts, uh, that kind of thing. You know, people that really know how to deal with this stuff better than you do. I mean, you know, I, yeah. you know, and and yeah. and and you can and 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 it's it's sort of a it costs something for everybody, but it but it is a, it is a way to uh, to have that support at least that support sort of ready made in place without you know you having to develop something from scratch um, to, uh, yeah. to to be able to offer support in those areas, right? Yeah, exactly. And it, and it's and that's how you start breaking down those barriers and stigmas. You can say, you know, we we, we know this is going to happen. There's going to be a day where you need this mm-hmm. and it's OK to call. Yeah. And it's confidential or whatever it needs to be. It often is. Yeah. The, 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 I, I know I know at my workplace. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a completely separate like HR doesn't hear about it. Nobody yeah. you know, it's all it's all offline. And, uh, and, and, and that's, uh, that's probably the best way for it to go. So, yeah. so yeah, so there's options and, and for it support. It goes back to the comment much earlier is we're not the medical professionals. We're not the counselor counseling mm-hmm. professionals. We don't need to make those diagnosis mm-hmm. type statements. It's really about dealing with what you see and what you're observing yeah. and doing it in a better way. Yeah. 
So we uh, we touched on the need for uh, for for policies. Um, that is, uh, uh, I think, more critical than people really give credit for. Because the the, the main thing that that I've seen when companies encounter <clears throat> this issue is 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 this scramble to figure out what to do uh, on the on the fly, and 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 that just that just leads to mistakes. Uh, and and I think uh, I think uh, the importance of having something in place uh, ahead of time is can't be uh, uh, overstated. Um, what uh, what do you uh, recommend, Jan? And what CCOHS recommends uh, for? Uh, I guess you know you can't go line by line, but but a general frame, <laughs> general general framework for what, what what should a policy look like? What should it address? What kinds of things does it does it need to to talk about? Well, like you say, just very generally speaking, there needs to be that procedure that that you can follow. So like we talked earlier about going to a separate room and having people there with you and documenting the process, you can outline those things in your policy. This is how we want um, these situations addressed. Because um, what it does is, is a policy kind of defines what an acceptable code of behavior is going to be and what and what isn't. Mm -hmm. um, but it also lets you treat everyone the same way. And when everyone knows what to expect and that they'll all be treated in the same manner, um, that again is breaking down those barriers and stigmas to, to, to make it more fair to everyone in the workplace. Um, so you really just want to try and make sure that you're approaching a situation very professionally and consistently every time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, there are standards, by the way, CSA has released uh, Z1008. It's on imp managing impairment in the workplace, ah. um, which I would highly recommend. And it gets into detail on um, not just policy within a management system, but also um, steps you can take for reacting. It includes a bit on testing and when that's appropriate and when it's not, as well as accommodations. It's a very robust, very comprehensive standard to look at. There you go. The document is out there, folks. It is out there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So go and go and go and download that and uh, customize it a little bit to your workplace and exactly. uh, and 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 job done, right? Yeah. That's or or to at least job done until you have to you have to execute it and then you find out where <laughs> all the holes are. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll feel a lot more comfortable executing be more com if you yeah. know it's coming from this this really solid, robust program well standards. and you know on that on that point um, um if uh if if issues uh, uh ever uh occur and things end up in front of uh ministry of labor investigators and and and, and things like that which uh can uh, in extreme cases happen um the first thing uh i can tell you that they're going to ask about and look for is your policy uh, what what was your policy and did you follow your policy? And it, it isn't always a case of, well, it had to be this policy or it had to be that policy. They just want to see a policy uh, and, and, and find out if you if you followed that. It, it, I'm not saying that necessarily exonerates you from anything, but but it, it, it is a it's a, it's a heck of a lot. It's a heck of a lot safer than 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 not having a policy and just hoping, yeah. you know, you're doing the right thing. And, and policies are meant to be continually improved, right? Every right. management system should have that check feature and, and then put, see if it's working. If it's not working, you make change mm -hmm. and just document it all and, and move forward. Yep. Um, write something down. Finding your process to what's, what's right for you. Yeah. 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 Write, <laughs> write some, write something down and follow it. That's, that's the, <laughs> that's the, it solves a, a heck of a lot of problems. Um, 
let's talk. We, we've talked a lot about management and, and, and supervisors. Uh, how about coworkers, Jan? Uh, if, if, if you're working in a, in a, in a workplace and, uh, and you, um, you know, you see a problem, uh, uh, what, you know, no, no, nobody wants to be a snitch, uh, but you know, maybe you have to be uh, under some circumstances. What, what, what's the, uh, wh- how should coworkers look at reacting to somebody they suspect has a, as an, an addiction or a use problem? Yeah, yeah. So in the same way that employers have the responsibility to provide a healthy and safe workplace, workers have the responsibility to work safely and follow the procedures that that are in place. Um, So workers help by working safely, trying to reduce injuries. Um, They're the ones that are on the floor. They'll, They'll be able to see impairment or hopefully recognize it within themselves and others. And that's where that safe reporting mechanism that you describe in your policy is really important because they know what to do if they see something. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So you can provide that education and training on, on how to recognize and what to do when, when you see it. Um, you'll also want to address stigma so they know that they can speak up and not make it. It's not a big deal. It is just a fact and it needs to be addressed. Um, and again, making sure they know about um you know, the, the support services that are available for them um, and understanding that there are policies in place that they need to follow and what those details are. Right, right. Um, a, a big a big part of this and I, a topic that I, I know is, uh, is addressed in your courses, uh, I saw in the descriptions of those, uh, is, uh, is this notion of, of eliminating stigma. And uh, I, I guess... Um, Tell me, tell me why you why do you think that's so important? Uh, uh, why is it why is it uh, 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 beneficial from the standpoint of the of the company and the employer to 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 not have that negative pressure uh, uh, from uh, the the perception of the problem? Yeah, it it's a way to change our attitudes towards dealing with people. Um, so we'll just back up and, and we'll actually, there's a very good definition of stigma, which will help us understand why it's so important to, to break those barriers. So stigma is generally defined as the negative attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors we have about or towards a group of people because of their situation in life. So it does include things like discrimination, prejudice, uh, judgment, and stereotypes. So what this really means is that our, our words or actions can make a person, for example, who uses substances, feel like they've been labeled. And usually they've been labeled as, I'll air quote, bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we believe a person is bad, it actually does affect our attitudes toward them. It affects how we treat them. It affects the policies we make. The quality of care that's provided can even be contingent on how we have perceived them. Um, And that can have huge repercussions, right? So what we want to do is just, take those steps to um, have open conversations and sort of change attitudes towards this. One of the easiest things we can do is to notice the language that we're using in discussions. So they encourage us to use person first and medically correct language. So I can give you some examples. And these are from the Canadian Center for Substance Use and Addictions. If this is an area of concern, that's a really good website to, uh, to look up as well. Okay. Um, Canadian Center for Substance Use and Addictions. I'll say it again. So what they recommend is instead of saying, are you still using? A better approach is, how are you doing? Mm 
because you're not labeling the person with your perception, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, don't use, why can't you just stop? Better approaches, what supports do you need? Right. Right? So you're framing your context in a, in a bit different way. So instead of saying, the last example they had is, don't you see you're hurting yourselves or others? It's better to say, how can we help? Because you're asking the person for what they need and what they think is best for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they also encourage us to use terms like drug poisoning and um, reoccurrence in recovery or substance free. They suggest we not use words like addict, drug habit, or even clean and sober are, are not encouraged. Because hmm. um, again, these are labeling things that are seen as negative. And it really does affect how people feel about themselves. And then they, you know, it's a, it's a cycle of if you're not feeling well, you tend to use the substance more and then it keeps going on and on. So we can just start breaking that cycle a little bit um, by the words we use. Yeah. It, those are great recommendations. And, and uh, the, the, I want to hit the point that, that it, isn't, it isn't necessarily a touchy-feely thing. Um, what you have to understand is, is that in terms of having the productive conversation and getting the result you want out of the conversation, um, um, bringing, a, bringing a lot of stigma and baggage and, and, and labeling, et cetera, to the, to, to the conversation is just going to make the person defensive. And as you said, uh, p- possibly even exacerbate the problem. Yeah. Um, and and you'll, you'll just end up with a person who's not a worker there anymore. Um, so or, or they're just not yeah. willing to trust that you're there for the right reasons. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. Right? And, 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 and so, so there's the, it, it, it is best just to, just to avoid that, however you feel about it. Uh, and yeah. to, uh, you know, and, and, and to, to focus on these, these sorts of, uh, of, 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 of productive measures, um, I, I think is probably, probably makes some, makes some sense anyways. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so. and it, 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 it's baby steps into breaking down all those negative attitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, but they make a difference, and, and it shows value in the person, and that they're they're heard and listened to, and that they can ask. Everyone's help is going to be different. What what path they need to take um, to break their their cycle of substance use is going to be different. Yeah. So you can't make those assumptions for them. They have to help you understand what's what things they need as well. Well, and it comes from a position of uh, of science a little bit too, right, Jan? Because oh, sure. I, I mean, as a as a as a child of the '80s and the drug war uh, myself, <laughs> uh, I I well recommend I well remember, you know, the uh, <clears throat> the uh, very moralistic uh, uh, attitudes that, that that were were built up politically uh, around all of this stuff, um, and uh, and and very much seen as a as a as a as a moral failing, a failing of the will, a failing of 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 your of self control, uh, yeah. you, you know, all, all of this stuff was used for a very long time to try to, uh, I guess, to try to address the problem. Yeah. Uh, but but what we found out in the intervening uh, decades uh, is that you know it, it's a brain chemistry issue, really, and 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 different people will 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 react differently and and have a different propensity uh, uh, to to fall into these issues, right? No, it's very true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, as it, long as that's, as long as that's the case, how, how, you know, how do you really, how do you really put a lot of moral judgment on it? Right. Because that, you know, it, it may be yeah. there, there, but for the grace of genetics go me, you know, like, <laughs> but, <laughs> like 
like we said earlier, like when you get to the substance use disorder, when, when it becomes a condition, mm-hmm. um, it is your brain is different. Your brain has changed, mm-hmm. um, which means you're not. It, it's different. Like it, I don't want to say you're processing differently, but but there are changes. Yeah. If and, it happened it, because and, of a blow to the head, no one would think any less of you. <laughs> Right. It's not a bad example. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it, it, you know, it can. A concussion can cause some of the same, you know, like it's, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's so this is the way your brain functions. And we have to recognize that. And yeah. that's what I mean. Every, every path to recovery will be different. Right. 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 And we have to remember that substance use disorders are considered a medical condition. So once you, if they reveal that diagnosis, um, then you can go into accommodation mode and, and human rights accommodations and stuff like that. So right. it, it's, a, it's a big issue once you get into um, into the nitty gritty of it. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Well, listen, Jan, I, I think you've given some uh, some some great uh, advice here and some things for people to uh, to think about. Just a nice a nice perspective on on, on how to approach the issue. Um, t- tell us again. Uh, so so. Uh, uh, what can people, what is the uh, CCOHS offering uh, and uh, and how can people access uh, uh, that that help? Yeah, um, so again, we have online e-courses that will address, uh, we have separate courses on impairment, we have opioid use, stigma, we also have mental health, um, which will be helpful. Um, we also provide resources like fact sheets and infographics and some other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also offer... Uh, safety info line service so if you have individualized questions we can help you there those are confidential and everything's available through our website at ccohs.ca fantastic jan chapel from ccohs thank you so much for joining us and uh, telling us uh, all about opioid addiction very welcome patrick thank you thanks for joining us for counter talks you can find CounterTalks episodes online at CanadianRentalService.com or on the major podcasting services. CounterTalks is a presentation of Canadian Rental Service Magazine.